Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 are two of the most famous verses in the book of Romans and verses you learn early on as a Christian in Sunday school and something that we should never depart from. I want to read to you verse number 1. Our message comes from verse number 2 tonight. The Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And uh, last week we talked about verse number 1. It begins with, I beseech. It's a begging. And uh, really we should read verses 1 and 2 with the volume turned up, if you know what I mean. There's an emphasis there. He's begging you. He's begging Christians to prove, find, know God's perfect will. And we should endeavor in our lives to know and do the will of God. Now, I want you to understand something about the will of God. The will of God is not some foggy place in the future. The will of God is today. And we should discern and determine to know God's will today. I found out a long time ago that if I was going to know and do God's will, it was going to be a daily matter, not something that I fretted over looking months or years in advance. As a matter of fact, if you are determined to know and do God's will today, you'll not have time to worry about tomorrow. If you're determined to know and do God's will today, you'll not have time to worry and fret about the things that are in the future because you'll understand that you've been given a day and a moment to live. And the Bible teaches us plainly over and over again that we're not to fret over tomorrow. There's a phrase I love, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof, talking about tomorrow. And God's will is today. And so the Apostle Paul begs Christians. He says, listen, you need to know God's will. And the first way to know God's will, which is a great mercy that God affords us, it's a merciful thing that God lets us know and do His will. He says the first way is to present your bodies. It's a presentation. Present your bodies. Well, what's that? that presents, present all of you. On the bottom of your feet, the top of your head. We're to present ourselves to the Lord. We don't determine to do our own will. We determine to do God's will. And God has designed you for a specific purpose. God help us to do His will. How many of you ever gotten really upset and said something you wished you hadn't? You weren't doing God's will. Uh, How many of you get... Uh, miffed occasionally, you weren't doing God's will. How many of you uh, get out of line and you have a besetting sin? Uh, That's not God's will. So the Bible says that we're to consistently and persistently, with the volume turned up, present our bodies to the Lord. Adrian Rogers said it like this, presentation plus transformation equals the realization of God's will. The Bible says we should present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. That's part one to knowing God's will. Parts two and three are in verse number two. The Bible says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's just start just right there at the beginning of verse number two. And be not 
conformed. Be not conformed. The picture this word presents is conformed, formed. Have you ever formed something? Have you ever seen these old butter pads? I think they're kind of cool. What do you do? I'll just tell you. You're going to be so shocked. I have never churned butter. I get my butter from the grocery store. And I like it a lot. But what do you do? You take the butter and you churn it. And you pack it down in that butter pad. At least that's what I saw on YouTube. And you pack it tight, and you pack it tight, and you pack it tight. What are you doing? You're conforming that butter to the mold. The most conforming I've ever done as a child was with Play-Doh. How many can, can go and smell Play-Doh? I love that smell. What do you do with Play-Doh? You know what you do with Play-Doh. You stick stuff down, and you pack it in there tight, and you conform it. And you pull it out, and you've got little shapes, and... That type of thing. Conform. My granny, Lois, she has lots of things in her house that have to do with conforming. She is one of the most conforming people I've ever met in my life. What are you talking about, preacher? She has a cake pan collection that's second to none. What do you do? You pour cake batter in a cake pan and it conforms to that mold. Now, the Bible says here, if you're going to know and do God's will... You are going to have to refuse to be conformed to the image of this world. It says, be not conformed. I'll just tell you something. The devil and the world is at a constant pace tempting and trying to get you to look like the world. And God in his word says something different about us altogether. He says, be not conformed to this world. The Bible says, Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you and be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters. Is that conforming to the world? No. It's the opposite. Be not conformed to the world. The Bible says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Is not of the fathers of the world. Be not conformed to this world. I want you to know something. We are all tempted to conform to the world. There's no place on earth or group of people that is more tempted to be conformed to the world than the church. And the church. I'll just tell you, I'm not in a fight against the rising generation. I'm not. I know that my children aren't going to look like me. I know they're not going to say something. How many of you ever talked to a kid and they use like their, their jargon from school and they use little words and little things? Used to, it was like kids said cool and, uh, or hot. or But now they say what? Groovy, yeah. That's back in Peter's generation in the... I'm going to tell you how old I am. You know when I went to high school? I went to high school in the 1900s. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody looked at my sister and said, you were born in the 1900s? <laughs> uh, I know they're not going to look like me. I know that the culture is going to change some. And that's fine. 
I'm not going to fight that foolheartedly trying to make 14-year-olds look like 40-year-olds or 14-year-olds look like 80-year-olds. I'm not going to try to fight that. But I am going to fight to the death worldliness and the wickedness of sin and things that are contrary to God's Word. And we should determine our hearts that we are not going to conform to this world. And you know what the world wants to do? The world wants to conform our church to be like it. To accept things that are clearly against God's Word. Now look, God designed me to be Ruth's husband. Hallelujah. He didn't design me to be no man's husband. He designed me to be the father of my children. He didn't design me to play the role of a mother. God designed me to do something. And I cannot do anything that is contrary to God's word because I'll be conforming to the image of the world. And if I conform to the image of the world, I cannot be in God's will. There's folks who want to leave large sections of Scripture and large principles from God's Word out so that they can be more culturally acceptable. But I'll have you know something. You're not helping yourself. You're not helping the culture. You're not helping the kids. You're not helping the church. You're not helping the community. Because you are leading people away from God's will. In a corporate sense, to conform to the world is a great tragedy. Because you don't help anybody. I watched. I've not lived too long, but I've lived long enough to see. I watched what happened when leaders allowed conformity in the lives of children. I saw what happened to that generation. And I've lived long enough to see the Comparison, the comparison of parents who said, listen, we're not going to conform to the world. We're going to do what's right. We're going to honor God and his word, and I'm going to lead you to do so. And I've watched those kids grow up, and I praise the Lord for the product because the product is God's will. And I've watched the opposite. Let it slide. You're just a kid. Let it slide. You're only young once. Let it slide. And it slides, 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 slides. And the whole time, you're moving away from God's will. You're moving away from God's perfect will. You're moving away from God's blessing. Conform to the world. Now, I'm not trying to get everybody to dress up in broad brim hats and the same color shirt and beards and no mustache, et cetera, et cetera. That's not my burden. That's not it. The issue is the heart of man and the willingness to submit to the word of God. That's why verse number one is so important. Present your bodies. I'm not going to do with my body something that is forbidden by God. The Bible says, be not conformed to this world. If you get to the place where you feel like, man, I don't stand out in this world. You may have a problem. You may have conformed. We should stand out. We should come out from among them. We should be separate. We should be different. There should be things that come on TV that really, really upset us. There should be things that we see in our society that is a bother and heartbreaking. 
your response should not be anger. If you respond in anger, let me tell you something. If you respond in anger to something that is worldly, you have a spirit of a Pharisee, okay? But if you respond in, oh, I'm so burdened for them, that's the spirit of Christ. The Bible says there's a way to be angry and sin not. But I know for a fact that if you just get mad at society, that's not Christ-like either. You've conformed to an angry spirit. It's a diversion that the devil gives. The Bible says be not conformed to this world. Don't let the world mush you into their mold. Don't let the world make you think somehow you have got to accept sin and wickedness. Don't let, don't let anybody convince you that you have to live a life that is in contradiction to the Bible, that the Scriptures are old-fashioned, or that God's way is old-fashioned. It is not. The Bible says, be not conformed to this world. Conformed. We're not to be the same as the world. We're to be different. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Oh, I love this word, transformed. It's very opposite. Conformed means the same. Transformed means different. And the Bible gives us this picture that we can be transformed, changed. The word transformed is metamorphosis. We know examples of that, right? The most famous, of course, is the ugly caterpillar becoming the beautiful butterfly. You know what's sweet? That is a little picture of what God does in the lives of people who are willing to present their bodies, who are willing to say, no, I will not be conformed to this world, and let God transform them. God takes something that is sin-cursed, condemned, Ugly, slimy, fish bait and makes it something beautiful to accomplish a grand purpose. That's what God does. He transforms us. We're not to be conformed to this world. You see, if you get pushed into the world's mold and you accept the world, accept the sin, you do not give your bodies. Guess what you miss out? You miss out on the opportunity to have your life transformed, changed. Transformed. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. How, do I, how can I change? As a kid, I remember the cartoon, The Transformers. I thought it was pretty awesome. I had this little red tractor and trailer that turned transformed into a robot. It was cool. I loved it. It's changed. Well, the Bible gives us this picture that you and I can go from something common, ordinary, condemned to something that is spirit-filled, God-led, full of peace, and profitable. I like that. I like the idea of being a devil slayer. I like the idea of being a soul winner. I like the idea of being a conqueror. The Bible says you can have it. If you'll present your body as a living sacrifice, you can have it if you will not be conformed to this world, but you'll be transformed. How can I be transformed? If you get in the transformation line, how would you? There's, this is the transform, transforming your life is something 
that gets sold all the time. Nutrisystem. They will transform your world. I'm not against it. Bowflex. This is so funny to me. Do you know how many Bowflexes there are in basements? <laughs> and people just can't imagine they're not worth anything anymore. Why do you buy them? Because I want to be transformed. I mean, transformed is something that sells. And I'm going to tell you, on the authority of God's word, how you can change your life. How you can change your life. How you can get some victory. How you can get some peace. How you can get some joy. It's all wrapped up in God's will for your life. That ain't easy. Why do you think Bowflexes gather dust in the basement? I'll tell you why. Now, that ain't easy. It ain't easy. And what God calls you to do is not easy, but it's worth it. I will tell you this. I really believe as you begin to practice presenting your bodies, as you begin to practice saying no to, be, to the world and not being conformed to the world, I can tell you this. I believe that it gets easier to experience the transformation that God wants. You lose your taste for the world. You lose your yearnings for the world. And it's a sweet thing when it happens. The Bible says, be not conformed to the world, be transformed. How can I be changed? Sign me up. Six payments of $699.95 plus $7,000 shipping and handling. Make your checks payable to Farm Bureau. I don't know. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. How can I be transformed? Here it is. By the renewing of your mind. Okay. I'm game. How do I renew my mind? You know what the Bible says? The Bible says we wash our minds in the word. How can I renew my mind? I'll tell you how you renew your mind. You put the good things in, and in time, the bad things wash away. I'm so thankful that on numerous occasions in my short life, I've been able to experience the washing of the Word. A lot of the times it's happened right here at Chai Baptist Church. A revival meeting, a church camp. Now, as a preacher, seasons where I get the opportunity to preach multiple times. Oh, I love that concentration of the Word of God. It's awesome. Let me tell you something. There is no excuse why any of us cannot wash our minds with the Word. We may have to change our habits for a time, but a good old-fashioned spring cleaning of your gourd may be a really good thing. Washing the Word. I got a pack of CDs right here. It's got 13 sermons on characters of the Bible. It'll help wash you. On the internet, man, this is all. I, if, when I was a teenager, when I was a teenager, just started preaching, I would have just died for some of the things that I can get my hands on today. 
on the internet. Back in the 1900s, there was no internet. It was just after they invented the light bulb. Now, I'll tell you, I, you know, I, I remember a season when I washed my mind with the Word. When my mind was renewed with the Word. We had a revival meeting. Lou Rossi preached it here. I was just a teenager. And it, it was one of those weeks that God blessed. It helped me. I don't know if it helped anybody. It helped me. And I remember I got the tapes. I got a, all the tapes of that meeting. It was awesome. I loved it. And you know what I did? It just so happened that my Uncle Andy had just got a new tractor with a cab in it. And that was new too. Just after they invented electricity in the 1900s. He got a cab tractor. And I had that pack of CD, that pack of CDs. There was no such thing as that either. That pack of tapes. And I listened to them time after time. I listened to that revival meeting. I don't know how many times that summer. Uh, my grandfather would give me a little book of tapes from uh, on Bible characters. And it's probably one of the reasons why I love to preach on Bible characters so much. A book of Bible characters from Jerry Falwell. And I listened to those tapes. I had this message from uh, Dewey Williams on a... Uh, pearl in a swine snout and he was just tearing it up and I listened to that over and over again while I worked that summer and uh, it washed me it washed me and I'm thankful and you, you know what are you putting in your heart what are you putting in your heart what are you, and that's what the, the Bible if you're going to be transformed you're going to have to intentionally put things in your heart now I'm preaching the Wednesday night crowd you've already proven that you want to wash your heart you want to renew your mind. And I'll tell you what, when the Word of God comes in, the renewing begins. When the renewing begins, the transformation takes place. And you begin to see and understand, do God's will and know God's will. Oh, it's sweet. Wash it with the Word. I'll tell you, some people say, Y'all are crazy. You go to church on Sunday morning. You go, to church, you go to Sunday school, you go to church on Sunday night, you go to church on Wednesday night. Crazy or not, man, I'm thankful. I'm thankful I get to the extra washing. Now, we understand folks can't be here all the time, but I can guarantee this, if you'll make it a point to be here as much as you possibly can, you'll be glad you did. You know why? You know why? Because the word will transform you. The transformation will protect you and help you to know that you shouldn't conform to the world. And when you get a taste of what God has to offer that's so much better than the world, do you know what you're going to get? You're going to say, here I am, Lord. Here's my body. You can have me from the bottom of my feet to the top of my head. And you're going to know God's will. You're going to do God's will. And you're going to get God's best. Oh, it's good. We're washed by the word. We're washed by the word. Oh, my. May God help us. The Bible says, Be not conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's talk just a minute about that word prove. Prove. Let me tell you, that's an important word. Does this say so you can feel God's will? 
That sounds like something the preacher would come in. You can feel God's will. And everybody says, hallelujah. Runs the aisles and shouts and screams and waves hankies and starts crying. You can feel God's will. Now, I'm going to tell you, you can prove God's will. When you prove God's will with God's word, you've got something that is more solid than your emotions. How many of you, your emotions have ever led you astray? Did you raise your hand? Your emotions led you astray? Yeah. Guess what? God's word will not. The Bible says you can prove God's will. You see, when we are transformed by the renew of our minds through the word of God, then we can prove God's will. Let me tell you something. If what you deem as God's will does not coincide and agree with the Bible, it's not God's will. You haven't proved it. Prove it. The Bible says you can prove his will. That you may prove what is that good. Let me tell you about God's will. God's will is good. It's good for you. It's good. It's not bad. It's good. You may prove what is that good will. Oh, I'm thankful that God's will is good. You know God's not going to lead you into something that's not good. And we know all things work together for good. That's not a contradiction. God's will is good. Is it easy always? No. Is it confusing on occasion? Yes. Why did God allow that to happen? You can be sure God's will is good. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable. I love that word acceptable. You know what? When your heart's in tune with God. How many of you ever thought about doing God's will and you had this sense of dread in your heart? Oh, I want God's will, but I don't want to do that. I'll just tell you, when you get to God's will and you are determined to do God's will, it's going to be acceptable. It's going to be like, yes, that's great. It's acceptable. It's acceptable in our own hearts and lives, and it's acceptable in God's eyes. I had a conversation just today about churches who are moving and making and allowing or accepting things that are contrary to the Scripture. That's not God's will. Because that word acceptable, it's going to be acceptable in your heart and it's going to be acceptable in God's eyes. Let me tell you something. If you come to a place that what's acceptable in your heart is not acceptable in God's eyes, it's not God's will. It's not God's will. He says, you'll be able to prove what is that good and acceptable. It's going to be acceptable to you. Let me tell you something. God's called me to preach. I love to preach. I love it. A lot of you, if someone said, I want you to preach, I asked Jamie. He's, we're on, going on vacation in a couple of weeks. I asked Jamie to preach. He's called to preach. He's glad to preach. He wants to preach. That's good, but there's a few of you, if I ask you to preach on Wednesday night, you just go ahead and stroke out right there on the floor. This is the big one, you know. And if you have that in your heart, that, that's not God's acceptable will. What's God's acceptable will for me to be preached tonight? Acceptable. You're going to love God's will. It's, it's going to be great. If you ever have this sense that, well, I'm scared to death to surrender to the Lord because I'm scared that I won't like his will. And uh, listen, it's going to be acceptable. It's going to be acceptable on his side. It's going to be acceptable on your side. It's going to be good. It's going to be acceptable. The good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Boy, I love perfect, don't you? It's perfect. 
I ain't never done anything perfect. But God has. And you know what's amazing? My life in God's hands, that's the only chance I've got at perfection. He can take the boogers and make it perfect. He takes my shortcomings and mixes it just right in his perfect sovereignty. And it's perfect. He takes two imperfect people, puts them together to perform his perfect will. He takes a group like this, the Chihuahua Baptist Church, a group of flawed folks. And when we're determined to surrender ourselves, to die to ourselves, to present our bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, when we're willing to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds, God says, I'm going to prove to you what's my perfect will. I'll do something perfect with you guys. Huh. Hallelujah. God's my only shot at perfection. God's your only shot at perfection. But what's amazing, it's miraculous. He's going to do something perfect. He'll do something perfect when we let him. They may prove was that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Huh, it's awesome. You know what I can have tomorrow? A perfect day. It'll be messy. It'll be perfect. And I'll do it God's way. You see, when we present our bodies to the Lord and we determine to not be conformed as we're going to be transformed or remove our minds, we get to prove what is that perfect will of God. I don't know about you, but I want it. I want it. And it's not hard because it doesn't all depend on me. It's not hard. It just depends on me saying no to sin. Yes to God's word. And he says, I'm going to bless you. He's faithful. I, I like it. I need it. I want it. You know what? The scariest thing in the world to me is to think that I've got to make my own way. And one of the most freeing things in the whole world to me is to know that I don't have to make my own way. I've got to say yes to God and God's will. And he goes, there it is. My perfect will. He's faithful. Rest in the Lord. Trust him. Obey him. And you'll find out he can do something with your life that you could never imagine. And guess what? It's not too late. You say, I'm 300 years old. I was born in the 1800s. Nobody's here was born in the 1800s, but all y'all old people was born in the 1900s. It's not too late. That's what's sweet. We got a chance, an opportunity to know and do the perfect will of God. Isn't it sweet? I'm glad. I'm glad I can trust him.